While tackling your New Year's goals, don't forget about your daily dose of fruits and vegetables, which just got easier to remember thanks to Balance of Nature. Their fruit and veggie capsules offer a convenient way to consume those essential nutritional ingredients daily. So improve your diet and feel your best this year. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code WIRE for 35% off, plus a free fiber and spice in your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code WIRE. In case you hadn't already noticed, everything is getting super duper gay. Corporations have gone gay. Sports teams have gone gay. And now a beloved cartoon character from the late 1960s has, after 53 years in the closet, gone gay too. And as promised, here are your Scooby Snacks. Jinkies. That's Velma there, just absolutely drooling at the Velma dressed up like a 1970s lady, drooling at the sight of this kind of 2022 looking lesbian lady. Little old Velma is officially a lesbian. Before the year is through, I have no doubt that Mickey will go trans and Popeye will get into S&M. But for now, Velma is a lesbian because Hollywood has, in its own words, a not-so-secret gay agenda. But why? Why? Why does Velma, after all these years, need to be a lesbian? Some people are actually arguing that Velma has always been a lesbian. Why? Because she's frumpy and has short hair? That's not very nice to lesbians. Because Velma doesn't have a boyfriend? Shaggy doesn't have a girlfriend. Does that mean that Shaggy's gay? The person Shaggy spends the most time with is Scooby-Doo. Does that mean that Shaggy is into that weird bestiality thing that the Biden nuclear energy guy photographs himself doing? I don't think so. I certainly hope not. Why does every single thing have to be gay, including half-century-old cartoons? Because narrative matters, of course. Narrative matters more than just about anything else in politics. That's why the left spends so much time and energy rewriting the past. Whoever controls the past, whoever controls the past controls the present. Whoever controls the present controls the future. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from the Drummer's Workshop at Norm's Music. I feel like this guy has had a lot of my favorite comments before. He says, of course, Biden is Puerto Rican. Uh, who do you think taught Jill Biden how to speak Spanish? Si, se puede. Uh, great point. A very good point. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, when Joe was recounting his childhood experiences with the guys from the neighborhood, he was just translating into English for us because obviously that bad dude, that, that uh, muy mal hombre that he was dealing with was, of course, El Corn Papo. He just went up to El, El Corn Papo, El Chapo Corn Papo, and he, he had a real, a real tough time. They had a real... They had a real, it was sort of like West Side Story kind of, and, and that's, that's the way that Joe Biden grew up, of course. He had to protect himself. You have to protect yourself in your home. That's why you got to check out Ring. Right now, head on over to ring.com slash Knowles. This season is very, very busy. I'm on the road constantly giving speeches all around the country, but I can feel protected. Why? I am so grateful for 
Ring Alarm. Now you might say, Ring, isn't that the video doorbell company where you can see and speak to whoever's at your door, no matter where you are in your house, in the office, in the world? Yeah, they also have an alarm. Not only do they have an alarm to protect your whole home, they've gone pro. Ring Alarm Pro is a whole home security system with available professional monitoring when you subscribe to Ring Protect Pro. Ring Alarm Pro combines a security system with a fast Eero Wi-Fi 6 router for home security and network security in one device. Plus, with a Ring Protect Pro subscription, which is an amazing deal, by the way, you can get professional monitoring for the ultimate peace of mind. If anything happens, professional monitoring calls you and can request emergency services. This busy season, you got to be like me. You got to be a pro. Head on over to ring.com slash Knowles. That is ring.com slash Knowles. Speaking of sexual eccentricity, big news in the 2022 scene. Beto O'Rourke has a huge endorsement. He was just endorsed by Harry Styles, the pop singer, which means that Beto O'Rourke has an absolute lock on the men who wear dresses vote. Birds of a feather flock together, so it is no surprise that Beto, who has been known to don some ladies' garments now and again, would have a lock on Harry Styles, who I think has entirely stopped wearing pants, only wears dresses. No surprise also that Harry Styles would endorse Beto. Harry Styles is a huge lib. He uh, is a big gun control proponent. He's done work with Everytown, which is one of the left-wing gun control groups. He's worn a pride flag as clothing, and now he's supporting Beto. Okay, does this really move the needle very much? I don't know. I don't live in Texas. I have a lot of friends from Texas, and I, I don't think an endorsement from Harry Styles is exactly going to swing that race. You're seeing a lot of desperation out of that race, in particular because Beto now is just a multi-election loser. He was a pretty much unremarkable member of the House of Representatives. Then he runs for president and loses. And, and he was so celebrated when he launched his campaign, glossy covers of Vanity Fair, and then he went absolutely nowhere. Then he decided he was going to run uh, against Ted Cruz for the Senate in Texas. That, again, didn't go anywhere. Now he's running for governor. It just looks sad. It looks really, really sad. The people just don't want him. So you, speaking of narrative, the, the Democrats are losing control of the narrative. And I think Beto and a lot of the other Dems are headed for defeat in November because the Democrat policies are failing. The narrative is not matching reality. People are catching on to that. And the Democrats have no answers. There was such an embarrassing moment yesterday at the White House. Poor Corrine Jean-Pierre, hardest job in the world. And she's not up to it, even if it weren't the hardest job in the world. Corrine Jean-Pierre was asked about the gas prices because you see the Biden administration took a lot of credit when the gas prices went down. But what happens when gas prices go up again? You've said the president was responsible for gas prices coming down. Is the president responsible for gas prices going up? So it's a lot more nuance than that, right? Um, Peter, you know this. You know this, Peter. There's a lot. When, when good stuff happens, it's very simple. We're responsible. When bad stuff happens, though, Peter, it's very nuanced and complicated. This is pretty sad. This is what happens when you hear this, especially in academia, whenever these eggheads in academia don't have an answer for something. They say, well, it's very problematic. It's problematic and nuanced. You see, there's, no, there's so many sides to this issue. 
No. Well, what is it? Either the president is responsible for gas prices or he's not. You, you could even say that gas prices are complicated and the president has some influence over them, but doesn't have total influence over them. You could say that world events dictate gas prices much more than the president, but the president still can do certain things. To, fine, whatever. But what you can't say is that the president is responsible when the prices go down, but not responsible when the prices go up. You just can't say that. They're, either the president affects gas prices or not, the degree to which he affects them is the same when the prices go up and when the prices go down. But they have no answer for that. And, and so they just keep spinning their wheels. I don't think that persuades anybody. You are seeing Democrat policies failing in funnier and funnier ways. My, my favorite example of this lately, great piece in Daily Wire on it by my friend Amanda Prestigiacomo. There's this kid in New York. He refers to himself as a punk kid. We don't know his, his true identity because he, he <laughs> doesn't want to come out and uh, arouse the ire of New York public officials because he totally milked a ridiculous lib program to the tune of $21,000. So here's what happened. The attorney general of New York, Letitia James, institutes this big gun buyback program. And gun buyback programs are when the state come in and they give you money if you turn in your guns. And they'll frequently give you more than the fair market value of your guns. And this is always just a publicity stunt. There is absolutely no evidence that this reduces gun crime or murders or shootings or anything like that whatsoever. There are are actually studies that show that it it doesn't do that. (laughs) Affirmatively show that there is no effect here, okay? Uh, on, on gun crime. But they do it because it makes headlines and it looks like they're being really proactive. And so Letitia James, that's what she does. She creates the gun buyback program in New York. And this guy, he just identifies himself as Kem, I think, K-E-M. He gets a $200 3D printer and he prints out the lower receivers and frames of guns. This, these really cheap, plastic. is just junk, basically. And he prints it out on his $200 cheap printer. And then he goes in and he trades every single one of these gun parts for a $500 gift card. And so he shows up to the gun buyback program. They say, how many guns do you have that you want to turn over for public safety? He goes, I don't know. How many are you going to let me turn over? I got, I got like 40 in my truck. And so after a little bit of negotiation, he turns over these guns, 40, 42 of them. And he says, it ended with the guy and a lady from the budget office finally coming around with the 42 gift cards and counting them in front of me. 42. And why? Because Letitia James says, getting guns off the streets and out of our communities is one of the many ways my office is working to protect New York families and combat rising crime rates. So the thing about the gun buyback is the gangbangers are not going to go and give you their guns. They're not going to do it for $500. That's for sure. These guys are making way more money with their guns. The actual criminals who are going out, who need their guns to do their jobs, (laughs) they're not going to participate. So sometimes law-abiding gun owners hand over their guns, which means that the potential victims are the only people who end up getting disarmed here. But it also creates a bunch of perverse incentives. If you can go out and and buy some guns or produce some gun parts and then turn them over and make more money than you just paid for them, that creates an arbitrage opportunity and you get to totally scam the program, which of course this kid did. And I give him a lot of Uh, a lot of credit for it. There are consequences to ignorant 
incompetent public officials. We talked about this yesterday. Politics is not just about ideology. And politics is not just about, you know, which philosophers you like to read. And am I a Marxist or a fascist or a neoliberal or a thisist or a thatist? A lot of politics is just basic competence. Do you understand basic incentives? Do you know how to make the government work? Do you know how to fill the potholes? And these people are not competent. It actually, this gives me a lot of hope, the fact that this woman is so incompetent, because this is the lady who's supposed to bring down Donald Trump. Remember, this is the New York attorney general who's going to demolish the Trump organization and finally get Trump once and for all. His back's against the wall. The walls are closing in, right? This is the person who's going to take down Trump. I think Donald is going to be just fine. I've never been more hopeful that the man's going to make it back to the White House than to think that this lady is his big opponent right now on the legal front. The left is not omnipotent. I think sometimes we conservatives, when we realize the scope of the problem, we lose hope. We despair. We get very blackpilled, okay, to use the lingo of the cool hip Zoomers. We, we say, wait a second. The political fight, it's not really just the Republicans versus the Democrats in a neutral public square. Oh my gosh, it's the Republicans. Well, it's really the conservatives versus the Democrats, the press, the corporations, the uh, academia, the big tech oligarchs, the bureaucracy, the this, the that, the this, the that, and even against many Republicans who are just squishes. Oh my gosh, the whole deck is stacked against us. There's no way we can ever win. Yes, it's, it's not a fair fight. It's not evenly matched. There's no neutral public square. The libs are dominant. That's true. But the left is not omnipotent. This is where so many people go down a, a bad path when they start talking about the vast conspiracies that control the world. Yeah, there are conspiracies. Of course there are. Yeah, there are shady cabals of oligarchs who meet in smoke-filled rooms and decide how they're going to institute a great reset and, and rework the world in their own image. Yeah, that, that all happens. But where the theories sort of fall apart a little bit is those people are not omnipotent. They're human beings, just like me and you. They're fallen creatures. Their power is not perfect. Look at the incompetence of people like Joe Biden. Look at the incompetence of people like Karine Jean-Pierre. Look at the fact that these people who control not only the, the culture and the education system, they control the social media. They control the public square. They can censor pretty much whatever they want. And even still, at least half the people, and I think, frankly, most people on most issues, totally have their number. They're not omnipotent, okay? Joe Biden just got in a little bit of trouble for discussing this. He tweeted out, quote, my dad used to say, Joey, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. And here's the deal. Democrats want to codify Roe. Republicans want a national ban on abortion. The choice is clear. <laughs> Did you catch did you catch that? He deleted this tweet, by the way. Do you know why he deleted it? Because oopsie daisy, he actually <laughs> compared himself and his family, at least, to uh, the devil. And I assume that some of Biden's pollsters came into the office after he dashed that one off, or after his handler dashed that one off. But Biden doesn't handle this himself, obviously, and, and said, hey, uh, Mr. President, hey, guys, could we hold off on the comparisons to Satan uh, until at least the midterms? 
And Biden has had a big problem with the, the Satan comparisons because he gave that speech in front of the big ominous sort of infernal red backdrop with the screaming and the yelling and calling everyone fascist. And he's got that guy who works for him in the monkeypox office who wears pentagrams on his chest over his pentagram tattoo. And he's got that sort of demonic looking fellow who thinks that he's a woman. He's the assistant health secretary who's always talking about how we need to castrate little kids and put them on cross-sex hormones. And then we've got that other guy who's in the energy, nuclear energy uh, office, who I, I referenced a little bit earlier, photographs himself. He dresses, puts on dresses and high heels and he photographs himself leading grown men around in, in these sort of leather dog costumes on a leash. And it's all just kind of, it all seems kind of satanic, doesn't it? And Biden's always talking about how we're in a battle for the soul of our nation. And then here, you, you can see the, the joke he was trying to make. The joke he's trying to make is his dad saying, hey, buddy, stop criticizing me. You're, you're comparing me to God, but, you know, hey, compare me to the devil. I look pretty good, actually. But then it's because it's followed up with, right, Biden opens it. He says, essentially, who are you going to compare me to, God or the devil? And then he follows it up with, we want to kill a bunch of babies and Republicans want to save a bunch of babies. The choice is clear. Well, that's obvious. He's Biden in that comparison is on the side of the devil. And so he deleted it. Why do you think he had to delete it? Because even Joe Biden and his handlers looked at it. They said, oh, darn, man, we look like the devil. Ugh, that's not a good look. You don't want to look like the devil. Speaking of tweets, huge news on Twitter. News that I am, I am at least 55% surprised by. The Elon Musk Twitter deal is going through. You know, very often I predict the future. I've got my Nostradamus hat. I've got my crystal ball. This I did not predict. I'm not entirely surprised by it, but I thought that Elon Musk was basically uh, creating a big publicity storm, but ultimately faking it when he was trying to buy Twitter. And I actually may have been right in the sense that he did seem to try to get out of the Twitter deal. From the legal perspective, it started to look like he was not going to be let out of the Twitter deal. So he was just going to be forced by the courts to buy Twitter anyway or pay huge fines. And so uh, now Elon Musk has said, okay, I will buy Twitter for the price that I initially said I would buy it for. And Twitter has accepted Musk's offer. Twitter issued a statement today, quote, or yesterday rather, we received a letter from the Musk parties, which they have filed with the SEC, the intention of the company is to close the transaction at $54.20 per share. So this is great. Whether Musk has to buy it now because he really wants to buy it or whether it's because he's forced to buy it by circumstances, which I think is probably more likely. Either way, it's great. Elon Musk running Twitter is going to be a huge improvement over the lib oligarchs who control it now, who are putting their thumb, not just their thumb on the scales, they're putting their whole foot on the scales for the libs when it comes to elections, and we've got one of those coming up, but also when it comes to just the regular day-to-day of politics. They suppress the conservatives, they amplify the liberals. So yeah, that's great. However, this doesn't solve the problem. I've been talking for the past couple days on this show about how the left and the right have given away our self-government to private corporations and to more private interests. And yes, those corporations work in tandem with certain parts of the state, but the corporations are even less accountable than the state in many cases. Why has the left done this? Well, because they don't have to deal with that sort of accountability. So the, the left can create a bunch of front groups 
the left can, you, you see this with BLM and Antifa. The left doesn't want to go in in most cases and actually send the police to attack their political opponents. They do it sometimes. They use the FBI in this way. They just used it against Donald Trump. They're using it against pro-lifers. But usually what the left prefers to do when it wants to threaten and inflict political violence on its opponents is it uses these sort of paramilitary front groups for the Democratic Party. That would be BLM or Antifa. And they go and they burn and they rape and they kill and they pillage. And then uh, after months and months of this, they get maybe a little slap on the wrist. They say, naughty, naughty, don't do that again. But if you do, we'll bail you out. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for the help, Antifa. Thanks for the help, BLM. Kamala Harris is going to go raise money now so you don't have to sit in the clink for too long. So that's, that's very often what they do. And it covers, it gives them a lot of cover from accountability. Well, why do the conservatives do it? The conservatives have, have given away self-government in the name of economic growth. They've said, well, listen, the government's very inefficient. Private industry is very efficient. And so, which is, <laughs> private industry might be more efficient than the government, but there's bureaucracy in private industry also. And so they say, okay, we're going to have public-private partnerships. Or we're just going to privatize things entirely. And that's great. And that'll be much freer. It's because of a a strain of libertarianism that really crept into the conservative movement in the latter part of the 20th century. And they say, private, always good, public, always bad. And so what does that do? Well, in some cases it improves things, but when we're talking about free speech, when we're talking about the public square, if you privatize the public square, now all of a sudden you've got a handful of oligarchs. It's not like it's some thriving free market with lots and lots of players. You're talking about three or four people, right? You're talking about Facebook, Twitter, Google. That's it, right? We got, we got Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey, or now, now Elon Musk. Okay, that's an improvement. And Sundar Pichai. They're controlling the public square. And they're even less accountable than members of Congress are to us. That's no good. It does, the Elon Musk purchase of Twitter doesn't solve the problem. It improves things tactically for, for a little while. But we need to figure out a way, if we are to restore any semblance of self-government and the traditional American way of life, it's not enough to say, okay, well, we've, now we've got our billionaire corp, corporate CEO running things. Good. They previously had their billionaire corporate CEO, but now we've got our billionaire. No, if we want to restore any semblance of self-government, we need to say, no, 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 the corporations actually don't get to run the whole government. They, can, they have a lot of power, but, but we, the people in the political community, we're going to wield some power too. And you're, you're seeing this. For so many years, the Republicans just carried water for corporations, frequently corporations that hated our guts. And now you're, you, you really saw it starting with Trump. You see it especially with DeSantis. You're starting to see that turn. No longer do we hear, well, you know, if you don't, if you don't like uh, half the country being censored and the president of the United States being deplatformed, then, you know, build your own Twitter. No, I don't think we're going to do that. I think we're going to take over Twitter, perhaps through private means first, like Elon Musk. I, hope, I think he's, he's certainly more on our side than the other guys are. But then we're, we're, we're going to exert influence on Twitter as a political community. That is very much our right. It's actually our obligation if we want to have a constitutional republic. Now, fellas, we have got a brand new show out on Daily Wire Plus. It's called Breakaways with Allison Williams. If you have not heard, Allison was a successful ESPN sideline reporter but when ESPN insisted that everyone get that Fauci ouchie, she refused. Why? Because she was trying to get pregnant and was rightly worried about potential side effects of the vaccine. So rather than take the risk, she quit. Good honor. 
On Breakaways, Allison sits down with athletes who took a stand for their beliefs. The first four episodes feature Jonathan Isaac, Nick Rolovich, Inez Cantor Freedom, and Dana White. Those episodes are available now, and four additional episodes are coming soon. Head on over to dailywire.com slash Knowles right now to become a member and watch the series. That is dailywire.com slash Knowles. Speaking of less than ideal arrangements, Tom Brady. News reports are out now that even Tom Brady and his supermodel wife, Giselle, I don't know how to pronounce her maiden name, Bunjin? Bunjin? I don't know. His, his very beautiful wife, Giselle, are reportedly hiring divorce lawyers and looking to split up. I'm not all that interested in covering tabloid stories. I'm not all that interested. I, I feel very bad for Tom Brady and his wife and especially for their kids. But this is not just a private matter. Sometimes you hear people say, oh, you know, if a guy's going to get divorced, that's just a private matter. Stay out of his private life. It's not a private matter. Marriage is a public institution. That's why you do it in public. That's why you register it with the state. And before, before you registered it with the state, you would register it with the church, which was frequently established by the state. There has always been a public component here. You take your marriage vows, not just to your spouse, but before God, before some kind of minister, whether it's a priest or it's a minister of the, a, a justice of the peace. And usually you may take those vows before your friends and family and the whole community. At the very least, you have to do it before a witness, right? Even if you go to the Elvis Chapel in Vegas, you got to do it before a witness. So this is a public matter. It actually is our business. And it's, it's very sad. I'm sure these people are going through a ton of pain right now. But I think it is our responsibility as citizens, not, be, not friends of Tom Brady, I don't know Tom Brady, not as, you know, people who are in the family, but our responsibility as citizens to say they shouldn't do this. They shouldn't do this. I, I know it's a fallen world and people have tough marriages and people go through rough patches. I have never seen a family improved by divorce. Sometimes, in, in very rare cases, there is even, there is not only a, a right, but an obligation to have some kind of separation. Let's say that, I don't know, the husband is a knockdown, violent, abusive drunk, and he's thrown his wife against the walls. And sometimes, for, the, for just the pr- protection of one's own life and the life of one's own kids, there is some separation that might be required. Let's say until the, you know, the husband goes to rehab or something like that, figures out his life. I'm not, I'm not denying that. But as a rule, I have never, ever seen a family improved by divorce. These people, I don't know anything about their circumstances. I don't know. Did someone cheat on someone? Did someone, I actually, I don't think that's even being reported right now. What's being reported is that Tom Brady and his wife are getting divorced or might be getting divorced because they had an argument over whether Tom was going to retire from football or not. And she was upset that he didn't spend enough time with the kids and she didn't want him to go back to work. Whatever. Again, this is all tabloid trash. I have no idea what's actually going on in the marriage. And I don't really care. Figure it out. Figure it out. But it doesn't, it's not reparable at this point. It's, it's absolutely, the marriage is just beyond repair. No, it isn't. I, I asked, <laughs> before I got married, I was, I was asking for marital advice from lots of people. And some of the, I said, how do you avoid getting divorced? 50% of marriages or something end in divorce right now. 
So many of my friends and family members, they, their parents were divorced. How do you avoid divorce? How do you keep a marriage together? And, and the best advice I heard was very simple. They said, oh, well, the best way to keep your marriage together and have a long marriage is just, just don't get divorced. Just work through it. All marriages are going to go through rough patches. Any two people who spend enough time together are gonna, <laughs> going to have disagreements and going to have periods where they, they really don't like one another. But there is something greater than your individual desires. Certainly the kids, interests should come before the interests of the parents. But the marriage itself is an institution. And as we weaken marriage, culturally, politically, legally, as we weaken that, the whole country is going to weaken. They, they should not get divorced. I was, I was also very taken with the Kim and Kanye divorce story because you all heard all these people, well, he's kind of crazy and she doesn't like what he's doing and they disagree over this, that. Uh, yeah, who cares? Kim Kardashian goes and, and she does an interview with one of the glossy magazines and she says, you know, I'm just not happy right now and I just want to, uh, my 40s are going to be about me. No, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be about you at all. And I, don't, and I don't care if you don't feel happy at this particular moment. You're not going to feel happy at every single moment of your life. It's, like, it's a fallen world. There are more important things than your individual pleasure at any given moment. Just work it out. Work it out. And this is, this, I'm, I'm giving this commentary not to stick my nose in Tom Brady's business, or anyone else's business for that matter. I'm doing it because it's It's true. Neither of these people will be happier in the long run if they get divorced. I've never seen it. If you're, if you're listening to this and you've been divorced, are you really happier? Are you really happier? Do you really think your life is better because you got divorced? Maybe your wife left you. Maybe your husband left you. Maybe it was something that you really couldn't avoid. I, I'm, not, I'm not casting stones. But on the topic of divorce itself, are you really happier? No, no. I've never met anyone who could tell me that they're really happier by that? Speaking of attacks on the family, Planned Parenthood is peddling puberty blockers to kids. The, the kids that they that slip through the fingers of Planned Parenthood, the kids who are actually uh, able to live and be born, Planned Parenthood says, okay, we weren't able to get you in the womb, but we are going to destroy your bodies and your lives once you're out of the womb. Here's the commercial they're running. There's no one-size-fits-all puberty experience. If you're trans, intersex, or non-binary, know that you're not the only one feeling confused. For some intersex people, puberty may start later than age 14. You might experience some of puberty's changes and not others, and your body may or may not go through puberty on its own. There are medicines you can take to help your body start the process, like hormone replacement therapy. Some people decide on hormones or surgeries to help their bodies match up to their gender identity or how they feel inside about themselves. Your gender identity is real. You should be the one to decide what changes you want to make to your body. If you're transgender or non-binary, you may find that your puberty experiences don't line up with your gender identity or how you see yourself. That feeling can be uncomfortable, scary, and stressful. If that sounds like you, know that you're not alone. There are medicines you can take to delay puberty for a while. They're called puberty blockers, and they work like a stop sign by halting the hormones testosterone and estrogen that cause puberty changes like facial hair growth and periods. Puberty blockers are safe and can give you more time to figure out what feels right for you. Man, that's the weirdest episode of Scooby-Doo I ever saw, isn't it? I don't know, Velma looks a little bit different. Not all that much different, I guess. It's hard even to single out Planned Parenthood here 
for this perverted evil attack on children, though it, it is obviously both of those things, because the whole culture is doing it, because Scooby Dooby Doo's doing it. So of course Planned Parenthood is going to do it. Why? Why? Why are all these people doing this? There is an ideological incentive. Earlier I said, whoever controls the past controls the present. Whoever controls the present controls the future. That's, that's true. It's missing a little something, though. There's actually even a, a, an earlier part to that equation, which is whoever controls the imagination controls the past. The imagination is what comes first. We don't have really direct access to the past. We only have access to things that are in the present. We only have access to people who are in the present. And those things and those people can evoke memories, but really they're, they're constituting narratives. And those narratives inform our vision, which is just in our imagination of what the past is. So if you, if you in your imagination, uh, see America in the 1950s as a nice place with two cars in every garage and a chicken in every pot and basically stable family lives and basically a good place, that informs one sense of the past. And that's going to inform how you want to, how you view the present and how you want to live in the future. Or if in your imagination you view America in the 50s as a racist, evil, bigoted, violent, dangerous, terrible, evil, consumerist, trash place, well, that's going to give you a very different view of the past and the present, and it's going to inform how you want to live into the future. Why is Planned Parenthood so focused on this narrative? Why is the whole left so focused on this narrative? Well, because they have an ideological agenda, absolutely. They want the future to look a certain way because of how they view human beings in the world. They also have a huge financial interest in promoting this stuff. Do you think it's just a coincidence that all the biggest, most powerful forces in the country just so happen to, to adopt the ideological view, in this case, transgenderism, that just so happens to hook people at younger and younger ages on extremely expensive medical subscriptions that will require a ton of money. It, it'll be a huge moneymaker, as some public health administrators have talked about here in Tennessee, and will keep them on it their whole lives. And that just so happened to increase the corporate and state control over their lives and their reliance on corporations and on the state. Yeah, it's just a coincidence that, that the, the ideological narratives being painted by the establishment stand to greatly enrich and empower that very same establishment. That's just a coincidence. Wow, lucky for them. What a lucky break. No, of course not. Of course not. A lot of this is being driven by money as well. And as the, the narrative serves the financial and political interests of the establishment. You're seeing the cases of transgenderism skyrocket. In the UK, there's a, a, new, a new tranche of data released by the Gender Identity Development Service at the UK's infamous Tavistock Center, found out that child and adolescent referrals have doubled compared to the previous year. GIDS, as it is called, GIDS or JIDS, it's sort of like GIF or JIF, uh, now estimates that over 5,000 children and adolescents sought gender-related services in 2021 to 2022. That is a 112% increase over the previous year. How'd that happen? Is Alex Jones right? Is there something in the water turning the frogs and turning Velma and turning everybody gay and trans? He actually was right about the frogs. People don't give him credit for that, but he was right. There actually, there was a Yale and, and EPA study 
that found that there were chemicals in the water that were turning the frogs into hermaphrodites, but that's a point for another time. Is it that, or do you think there's a social contagion here that's, that's being compounded, that's being promoted by corporate and state interests? And, and who are the who are the victims here? The victims happen to be these kids who destroy their bodies, who destroy their lives, who become extremely depressed, who, who despair, even though there is a way out, but there is irreparable damage that, that comes along with that as well. That's what happens. The numbers, of course, are going to keep going up. Because even as normal people, the vast majority of Americans, vast majority of Brits, I'm sure, think that this is completely insane. And public opinion polls reflect that, and elections reflect that. The the Yunkin election to governor in Virginia was largely about this issue of transing the kids, okay? And he, he won in a blue state. So yeah, of course the people are opposed to this stuff. And yet, and yet, it continues to be enshrined in law. What's up with that? What's up with that? Well, because our political establishment does not reflect the will of the people much as they want to prattle on about our sacred democracy. They don't give a damn about our democracy. They hate democracy. They hate it when the people vote against their interests. All they care about is their version of liberalism, and they're going to impose it. They're going to impose it like a, like a jackboot on our necks, and, and they're going to have the temerity to call it democracy. And when, when we fight back, they're going to have the temerity to call us threats against democracy. Also, they can shoot up children with cross-sex drugs. Speaking of undesirable shots, Ron DeSantis and fighting back. Ron DeSantis has just come out. I, I think everyone would agree he's done a very good job dealing with this hurricane, uh, this awful, awful hurricane that landed in Florida. So Ron DeSantis said, okay, some people died. Fortunately, the death toll was lower than some people were estimating. We've done rescue missions. That's really, really great. But now when, when property is destroyed, when there's a little bit of political chaos, sometimes bad men start to loot. And Ron DeSantis comes out and he says, look, in this state where the Second Amendment is fully active, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. So beware. The other thing that we're concerned about, particularly in those areas that were really hard hit, is, you know, we want to make sure we're maintaining law and order. Uh, don't even think about looting. Don't even think about taking advantage of people in this vulnerable uh, situation. And so local law enforcement is involved in, 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 in monitoring that. You know, I told Kevin if the state needs to help as well, uh, because you, know, you can have people, you know, bringing boats into some of these islands and trying to ransack people's homes. Um, I can tell you in the state of Florida, uh, you never know what may be lurking behind somebody's home. And I would not want to chance that if I were you, given that we're a Second Amendment state. Totally right. Totally. And what happens? The libs say, you're a racist. You're a terrible racist. I, I saw this. It was like all of these NPCs, all of these automatons, they just got the talking points right away. <laughs> they said, Ron DeSantis, beep boop. Ron DeSantis said that looters will be shot. Beep, boop. That's what racists said in the 60s. Beep, 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 boop. Looting is a civil right. I, don't, I guess that's what they're implying. Black people don't like to get looted either. Hispanic people don't like to get looted either. Black people have Second Amendment rights too. Hispanic people have Second Amendment rights too. It is very, very good. It is good for everybody. It is for, you might say, the common good that when the looting starts, the shooting starts, because it will protect public order. It will save lives, ultimately. You don't want bands of marauders going into people's homes. But this is what they do. This is, this is how now I, I can ascertain who a 
who a good, strong political candidate will be is how vociferously the left calls that person racist. Because racist is just a synonym for bad. It has nothing to do with race at all, really, anymore. It's just, it's just bad. You're a bad person. And the more the libs call you a racist, the more likely you are to be doing the right thing. Because they're afraid of you and they call you the worst thing that you can be called in society. It has, it has nothing to do with race whatsoever. It just says, we don't like you. It's just, it, they use it the same way that they use democracy, right? The libs hate democracy. They openly oppose democracy in many, many cases. They just use that word to mean something completely different. It's the same with racism. And, and they're looking terrible, especially with regard to this hurricane. So DeSantis from the governor's office, I think he did a good job. Certainly the first responders on the scene did an amazing job in Florida and the, the president commended them for that. And so he said, these Coast Guard rescue swimmers, man, these guys are so great. So, but the problem is Joe Biden is currently, he's right now in the process of firing not only one of the rescue swimmers who who he was previously commending in Florida for saving people, but many, many other members of our military because they won't take the Fauci ouchie. The president recently praised a group of Coast Guard rescue swimmers. One of them reportedly um, faces termination because he isn't vaccinated. And I'm curious, given the threats that we're facing abroad, would the president ever reconsider uh, that vaccination requirement or consider issuing more exemptions? So. As you, as, as you can imagine, the president has the most, the deepest respect uh, for the U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, that is something that uh, uh, you would hear from him uh, directly. Uh, and the country, the president and the country are grateful for all of the U.S. Coast Guard heroes uh, that have led the effort uh, to save uh, lives in Florida. Uh, we have seen that with our very own eyes uh, these past couple of days. Uh, I would refer you specifically to the U.S. Coast Guard on this on this issue, on this individual questions. It's not something that I would uh, comment from here, but uh, you know there. Uh, of course, uh, have been multiple vaccination requirements, as you know, in place for quite some time. Uh, and, uh, but again, I'm not going to comment here from here on an individual case. Okay. I'm not going to comment here on an individual case, but it's not an individual case. The vaccine mandate is for all of the service members. It just so happens that one of the service members is, happens to be one of the guys that the president just individually, personally commended for saving lives. But, uh, but the reporter's asking a policy question. Will the pres- is the president still going to fire these people? Oh, the president has the utmost respect for these people. He's still going to take their jobs away if they don't comply with taking his shot that is, is not quite so safe and effective as we were previously told, and which gives people health problems and kills people in, in more cases than we were told it would. I don't know. How, am I dancing around the censorship enough, YouTube? I don't know. I, <laughs> people who are very wisely not taking this shot, in my humble opinion. Yeah, but he still has the most respect for these people. Oh yeah, the utmost, but he's not, I'm not going to comment on it. You got to talk to the Coast Guard. Why? The Coast Guard didn't give the order. This order for the vaccine mandate goes up to the top. That's a Biden order. That's a White House order. Oh yeah, no, never mind. No, we, yeah, we like them, but we don't like them, but we don't. And now they're in the middle of the road. They're going to get hit by a truck. That's what's going to happen because the Biden administration is dug in on its radicalism. The radicalism is not popular, especially this year heading into the midterms in 2022. So the Biden administration wants to seem moderate, but they're not willing to do any of the things that are necessary to be more moderate. They want, the libs do this all the time. I've talked about this on this show. 
from the very beginning of the show. The libs want the appearance of the thing without the essence of the thing. They want to appear like women, but not be women, right? You especially see this with transgenderism. They want to appear moderate and reasonable, but not be moderate and reasonable. They're the sort of people who drink decaffeinated coffee, right? It seems like coffee, but it's missing the essence of coffee, right? These are, they, they want all the, they want all the symbol, but they don't recognize that the symbol has a connection to something that is symbolized. And they're doing it here too. They can't do it. And the, the radicalism is just keeping up and up. But, but Joe Biden's energy secretary, Miguel Cardona, was just asked about uh, his priorities in education policy. And he said, you know what students really need to learn? <laughs> Their scores in math and, and verbal are just collapsing right now. Students are worse educated than probably they've ever been in our country's history. And what they really, really need is abortions. I share your grave concerns about maintaining access to contraception and reproductive health services on our college campuses and ensuring there's accurate, reliable information for students and for educators. Students need access to health care to thrive in school and in life, and that includes reproductive health care. I said energy secretary. I meant to say education secretary. Although it's very confusing because the education secretary is talking about something that I, I suppose the health and human services secretary should be talking about. It all, it's all just getting kind of jumbled and blurred together. Do you really think that that's what students most need in America right now? They need to be able to kill their own children if they conceive children, which they probably shouldn't be. And we probably shouldn't be enacting policies that will encourage them to put themselves in situations where they might be conceiving children out of wedlock when they're still teenagers. Do you, that's what they really need most? No. Parents who have become a major voting force in this country, parents as an actual voting group, do you think when they hear that, they say, hold on, you've screwed my kid out of his education for two years. You're teaching him all sorts of insanity right now. You're telling him that he's evil because he's white. You're telling him that he's actually a woman. You're telling him all sorts of madness. And now, now you're saying that the best thing you're going to do for kids is give them the opportunity to kill their own children? What? That's not, that's not going to be very popular. It's so, so radical. It is a narrative that they are pushing, but the narrative is not very persuasive. And so what are they going to do? They have two options. They're going to abandon the narrative or they're going to try to enforce it even harder. Which one do you think they're going to do? Speaking of pushing these narratives, speaking of everything, every single thing becoming super duper gay, we have got a, a trailer for this movie that my producers insist that I watch. It's called Bros. It's a movie. It didn't do very well, apparently, at the box office on opening weekend. It's apparently very, very gay. They, the, the producers want to know if I should review this movie, give an actual proper review. We'll take a look at the trailer together. You tell me if we should review the movie. The rest of the show is continuing now. You don't want to miss it. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. 